Michael. My name's Aaron. And today we're going to be talking about uh, youth participation in sports and how socioeconomic status plays a role with that. Um, we kind of got introduced to this topic through some readings in, in our course. We read some articles about girls playing basketball and how they were kind of put aside during their free-to-play league for uh, a different league that actually cost money. And we were kind of interested in how this phenomenon played out throughout other, other leagues throughout the world. And yeah, we were just trying to see how much of a factor socioeconomic status plays uh, with their participation. And youth participation in sports has really been known and commonly known to help produce uh, healthy young people. Um, sports is good for the social life, it's good for the physical body, and movement in general is always recommended for especially youth. And when they're hindered from all these opportunities, as like Joel's mentioned, if you're taken away from the league that you were once in, that's not right, that's not just. So this is part of the reason why we chose this topic, because we really want to see how big does this go? How far, uh, how, how far of a reach does this happen? Does this happen in other countries? And so we came up with a few good questions, because this really is a spark of interest for us. So the topic is socioeconomics and youth sports, the background that we have found that uh, from an article called Children's Participation in Organized Sports and Physical Activity and Active Free Play, exploring the impact of time, gender, and neighborhood household income using longitudinal data by John E. Carey, you know, John Kearney of McMaster University at Hall, they found that with higher economic status, there's more participation in sports because they have more resources and opportunity to participate participate in the sport and that will later translate to more participation in adulthood when there's lower economic status for the family or individual they have less equipment and less opportunity to do sports because they don't have the financial resources to prioritize sports in the study they found that people with higher economic status have more enjoyment of the sports and their families can do many sports and they can support it. In the next literature called The Young Youth Sport Machine Destructive Juggernaut, Our Vehicle for Success by Peter Hatrich and James P. McDonald, they found that there's a large jump in youth participation in team sports, 40% in the year 2015. They talked about the pay to play model where participate in certain sports league and teams you have to pay a fee to pay for equipment and demands they found that people with higher economic status um, had more participation in the sports in the study by 38 percent and the youth um, with less income they had lower and the lowest income was 25,000 versus hundred thousand dollars a year uh, also, our first lit review that we'll be talking about is children's participation in organized sports and physical activity and active free play, exploring the impact of time, gender, and neighborhood household income using longitudinal data by John Kearney et al. So the study is talking about social economic status, age, gender, and in relation to sports and physical activity. So they 
compared to free play model versus the organized physical sports. The free play is where there's no equipment involved, and organized sports is through a league or uh, through a school. For the free play, they didn't need equipment, so they could play anywhere. And for the organized sports, they had to pay money, and if you have a higher income, you could do it. So there was a 25% median income, 50% median income, 75% median income. If there's more income, you have higher chance of playing sports. And there was did a study on boys versus girls. Boys had a higher score of free play. Um, the organized sports had an increase, decrease in score due to social economic status and access to play. And this relates to the topic of social inclusion. The second the review is the socioeconomic status and sport, sport participation at different development stages during childhood and youth, multivariate analysis long using Canadian National Survey data. They tested as socioeconomic status and sport participation from childhood youth ages 6 to 9 to 10 and 15. They found that for ages 6 to 9, family income was a large factor, with having a p-value of 0 0.01, which was significant, and parental education was a large factor with a p-value of 0 0.01, and they found more participation in sports for children ages 10 to 15, when they were, there was a p-value of 0 0.01 based on region, so that was the main determining factor. There was less participation in sports in the long run, more high SES is the largest factor for uh, sports. More money equals more programs and access. So the last lit review I will talk about, the, my third lit review I will talk about is the impact of socioeconomic position on sport participation among so South Australian youth. They use socioeconomic position and so socioeconomic indicator for advantage bracket. And it was boys versus girls, with boys having a higher score for his day. Talk about four factors. Is it worth it? Am I able? Reinforcing and enabling. For is it worth it? It was 3.29 versus 3.13, with a p-value of 0.01. Boys versus girls. For am I able? It's 3.05 versus 2.86, with a p-value of 0.001. And boys versus girls. Reinforcing. 3.0 versus 3.05 p-value of 0.05 and they found that um, higher economic position means more opportunity and lower economic position means less opportunity and those boys like sports more based on their economic income position. Yeah, so moving on to mine, my first article was titled Participation in Sport and Physical Activity Associations with Socioeconomic Status and Geographical Remoteness by I'm Charity Harvey and Payne. Um, so they found out that there were less facilities and less opportunities in low-income areas by taking survey of children's participation over 95 different sports. And then they would cross-reference that with parents' socioeconomic status. So they found that there was a positive relationship with participation and socioeconomic status with a lot of sports, but not all of them. Um, the sports that required more money had less participation, and there were more of the niche sports, like canoeing and rowing, stuff that, had, uh, that required an indoor facility 
uh, like swimming and stuff like that. And this promoted uh, social exclusion. So if you didn't have money, you were not able to, to participate in uh, these kind of sports. But then uh, sports such as football or soccer, in their case, uh, more people, and rugby, more people were playing those sports because they were more popular and there was more availability of that sport. Um, in the next article, also by I'm et al., uh, titled The Relationship of Sport Participation and Provision of Sports Facilities and Socioeconomic Status. Uh, here they were observing sports participation based on geographical location, specifically between metropolitan areas and non-metropolitan areas. And there were actually some interesting results here because you would assume that people from the metropolitan areas, because they had an increased income typically, they would have more sport participation. This was not the case. Uh, there was actually more participation in the non-metropolitan areas. And this was simply due to the fact that in the metropolitan areas, they had an increased population density. So there was actually less room for facilities for people to, to exercise or play sports. Um, although there were less, the facilities in those metropolitan areas were far more developed so the people in the non-metropolitan areas may have had more opportunities, but due to the decreased quality, they were still at a disadvantage. So here we're still seeing that people from a lower socioeconomic status are facing these barriers and, and still being excluded from getting the same kind of treatment as people with money. And finally, in an article by Voss titled, Children from low-income families have less access to sports facilities, but are no less physically active. They looked directly at the role of socioeconomic status and what that, uh, how that plays a factor in youth participation. And just by the title, you can kind of guess the results that they found. Um, yeah, it, it kind of reminded me of, of the previous article where is almost opposite of what you would expect. The children from low-income families, they may have had less access to sports, but they were still just as physically active as those uh, with money. The only difference is uh, the poorer children, they typically played less structured sports. So they were playing less team sports. Maybe they were just, uh, they were actually out playing like more pickup games, like pickup baseball or basketball or soccer. Um, so yeah, so these kids that do have access to these structured activities that have money that can afford it, they're still getting a, a leg up on their less affluent counterparts because they get opportunities to work with coaches and possibly trainers to get better training to, to prepare them later in life if they do continue down the road of sports. So through all of these, we can see, just like Aaron pointed out, that inclusion and exclusion are, are pretty big topics here, as well as barriers that these people have to overcome and just in order to, to get their foot in the door with sports. Right on. Yeah. And that ties into an article that I read from Vandermeer and Vaz and Shudu is titled Towards Leveling Playing Fields, a Time Trend Analysis of Young People's Participation in Club Organized Sports. So this was a meta-analysis from a lot of surveys. Mostly surveys were administered to a lot of families. Uh, both boys and girls were included, kept it relatively 
and they were looking at the socioeconomic status that uh, these children are have and how much time they're getting per week um, and how physically active they are. And like Joel was mentioning that a lot of uh, over the years, uh, we see uh, a lot of children that are becoming more uh, uh, less structured in their playing. Um, due to due to their socioeconomic status, the, the poor children are just not able to participate in these pay-to-play uh, programs. Um, uh, their findings were just very similar to what Joel just mentioned. Um, in another um, in another study titled "Secular Trends in Youth Physical Activity and Parent Socioeconomic Status from 1977 to 2005." They studied uh, European countries as well as the U.S., Canada, and Australia. Uh, Ten different countries were looked at, and they looked at the family wealth and the youth physical activity as well. And the trend for youth physical activity was to become more and more organized by clubs, sports, teams. But it also means at the same time, it's an increase in social inequality and participation in organized physical physical activity. So there's a lot of there's a lot of young athletes not getting the attention of uh, like not getting the structure that they're they should be. It's becoming more dichotomous, and these pay-to-play leagues and clubs are making a lot more money because it's it's growing into very far left and very far right over the years since 1977. Uh, you know, another topic other than. Yeah, very very similar. Another topic that really struck my mind was uh, the socioeconomic differences in children's health and how and why these relationships change with age. Uh, was the article by Chen Boyce and Matthews, and it performed a survey and administered to children ages six to eighteen, and it was aimed to find a relationship between the low, lower socioeconomic status and higher rates of disease and injury in the youth athletes. So. In the in the in the concluding findings, they basically found that uh, as the socioeconomic status decreases, all causes of uh, morbidity and uh, the prevalence of asthma, vision problems, injury, and acute illnesses in general. They looked at upper respiratory infections, ear infections. How many times did these uh, youth athletes go to visit the hospital per year? And what they came to find was that in with a higher socioeconomic status, you're more taken care of, you're being seen, so you're not going to the hospital because the children's nourish. You know, they're not gonna have as many broken bones and many injuries and respiratory infections. So that was a really interesting finding that the, the, the young athlete's health is becoming a big factor just because of their, so, their parents' socioeconomic status and what is available to them. Uh, from one of my interviews, I interviewed a uh, baseball coach, a uh, youth baseball coach, um, and he was talking to me about how sometimes it's not just about the money. It's not about the, the family socio socioeconomic status, but it's also uh, the community that, that you live in plays a role as well. Uh, coming from a uh, wealthy neighborhood, but he was under a single parent uh, uh, financially, so uh, sports wasn't really a possibility without some financial support from somewhere. Well, he lived in a community where a lot of people were able to provide for him or be able to give a bribe to the coach, is what he said. So, um, in order for uh, him to play on the field, he um, uh, another community member brought 
uh, Warriors tickets to the coach just so that he can have a jump on the team. So the coach gladly accepted and his fees were waived. So this kind of shows like an inequality and this is at the middle school level when this happened. So that's why I was curious, why is this happening and where is this happening? Another interview that I went and found was, um, uh, his name is Andrew, and he talked to me a lot about the, the social media and how that can actually help. Uh, sometimes when, uh, you know, you have a low socioeconomic status, you can't always get to that structured uh, practice. You can't always be coached by top trainers or any trainers at all. He was speaking to me about it. Sometimes it's up to the youth athlete to teach themselves the sport through social media and by YouTube videos, uh, mentioning uh, a lot of training videos that have to do with drills and form and technique. And these are all things that you can do without a trainer. So um, yeah, just a different perspective on uh, the way that things are run nowadays compared to time before. Uh, I started with an interview, interviewing someone from San Jose, he was a former wrestling coach. He uh, is a he was a former athlete, then turned wrestling coach. He found that when he was so coaching, there was a lot of changes for the team and for himself. They got a gym midway through as a one of their coaches had an MA gym, and he found that social economic status was a large factor for most of its athletes to participate in this sport, just because. Many of them have to work second jobs and other factors, and they couldn't participate in the sports and things such as transportation was an issue just because they didn't have enough people to get everyone everywhere. And we're the second interview. I well, I talked to a former high school high school athlete that played multiple sports, and they found that the respondent um, didn't face a lot of financial barriers as there was many things that can be done to help mitigate the cost for sports and and that's it. Yeah. So yeah, so in my first interview, um, I got in contact with somebody who works with Soccer Without Borders. Uh, Soccer Without Borders helps uh, refugees and, and minority kids, uh, immigrants, a lot of them, uh, get into a sport program to help develop them as people and stuff like that. And she talked about that the lack of resources that these kids have. So again, we're looking at we're looking at barriers that these kids have to overcome. And for some of them, Soccer Without Borders was the only avenue they had for sports. It was free. It was free for them. They would get, uh, they would go out of their way to, to get them transportation to all their games, and they would do fundraisers so they could have jerseys and shoes and stuff to wear. So just looking, they were, uh, Soccer Without Borders was looking for ways to, to practice inclusion to get these kids uh, involved in, in sports. And in my second interview, I interviewed a buddy of mine who works as a middle school teacher and also works with the wrestling team. He's kind of like an assistant coach. Uh, so he's, he's really involved with uh, the sports programs at, at his school. And he's, he's worked uh, at different kinds of schools in poorer areas. He actually worked at a low-income private school. Uh, it was a charter school. Uh, to schools that were more affluent in the 
San Jose area. Um, so he's seen a wide range of, of kids from different backgrounds. And now working as a wrestling coach, he talks specifically uh, about kids that can afford extra training at a gym that specifies in wrestling and teaching wrestling. And he can clearly see a huge difference uh, between kids that spend maybe like an hour a week uh, practicing just within the school and kids that maybe can do like four hours throughout the week going to a, an outside gym. Uh, their technique is just way better. So they're, they're getting more opportunities. Um, yeah. So in all, a lot of our interviews, it seems to, to cover these same topics about uh, these barriers that, that kids have to overcome from these lower socioeconomic status. Although there are avenues nowadays for, for them. Uh, unfortunately, the quality uh, that they're receiving is typically on the lower end because of the financial cost and uh, the inclusion aspect. So a lot of people are also trying to find ways to include these kids into their programs. But again, they're still running into the, to the problem of these programs not having maybe superior funding to afford high-level coaching staff. So it's getting better, but there's still, they're still like a step behind of kids who can kind of afford uh, more time and, and, and they have the resources to, to propel themselves forward. Um, yeah, any, any concluding thoughts you guys have about the topic here? Uh, you know, you know I, I was kind of thinking that there's a lot of information that came from just doing this project. You know, I was looking at, you know, it gave me a different perspective on, you know, how things change over the years and what the children are doing today. To They're staying active, but like... Yeah, I never really noticed it before. You know, I learned that uh, there's definitely a different structure than what I had originally thought. You know, I just gained a little bit of knowledge from this project, just thinking about how it, it became a little bit more expensive for some of these athletes and how, what are they doing if they can't afford it? So I thought that was really important. I thought, uh, you know, the relationship between physical activity and these children are having, you know, fitness is a positive one. And so it's really important for us to realize why are they not getting fitness or if they're getting fitness, can it be a better one? There's a lot of uh, work needed to be done for youth sports, but there's many programs and many ways for children to participate in sports. And that's a good direction to head in. And there's more things that are getting done, but everything's changing as good progress. Yeah. And I think I'll end with a concluding question here. Um, so really the question is, what is next? So we've, we're getting these avenues for these kids, but what, is, what can we do next to make sure that they're getting an equal representation with their participation in sports? They're already, they're already getting... Um, low, low cost, uh, leagues and, and, and stuff like that. And even free leagues, but how can we make sure that they're getting the same quality of, of participation of sports as people who pay? And I think, uh, we'll leave you with that. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank, thank you. you.